Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Yesterday here in L.A., Governor Gavin Newsom used the backdrop of Universal Studios Hollywood to usher in the state's reopening. People who are fully vaccinated don't have to wear a mask indoors with a few exceptions, such as public transit, healthcare facilities, and any place that chooses to keep mask requirements. While the governor called it a monumental day for Californians, he also cautioned that the pandemic is far from over. We'll continue to be vigilant, but we want people to be thoughtful. We want people to be kind. Look, today's about hugging again. Today's about reaching out and the serendipity of life, meeting strangers, uh, having the opportunity to experience all the wonders of the world. Newsom says the state will continue to monitor COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations, but there's no official benchmark that would lead health officials to reinstate coronavirus restrictions. At the event, the governor also announced 10 more winners who will each get $1.5 million as part of the state's vaccination incentive prize program. And staying on California's reopening, last night here in Los Angeles, thousands of people celebrated the landmark day by flocking to Dodger Stadium to watch the Dodgers take on the Philadelphia Phillies. Welcome back to Dodger Stadium, everybody. Please make sure to check out our new center field plaza. Welcome back. It was the Dodgers' first full capacity game since the pandemic began, and fans didn't have to wear a mask or maintain social distancing. The California Report was at the ballpark, and we talked to people about why they wanted to attend this particular game and what they were thinking about as California reopens. I'm a season ticket holder for over 20 years, so I really missed everything last year. And how about this particular game with oh, the reopening of California? Yes, yes it's, it's great. I mean, it's beautiful. I'm, I, I couldn't wait for it, you know, just sitting at home watching games and just waiting for it to open up. And uh, I'm very happy to be here. No other place you'd rather be in California? Nope, nope not right now, no. Nope. <laughs> I think it's important to be here to come back to what it used to be. And um, just what Dodger Stadium is for us, it's... We need, we need the, the fans. They need us. We need them. And it's exciting just to be back. Is it going to be strange with so many thousands of people I around think you? So. For sure, it's going to be, it's going to feel, it's exciting, but it's also scary at the same time. So it's mixed feelings. Definitely mixed feelings. Mixed feelings. Yes. I see you're not wearing a mask. You're comfortable not wearing a mask? For right now. But I'm sure it's, in my, it's on my arm. And I'm sure later on, I might feel a little, a little too crowded and I might put it on. I think the pandemic changed everyone in some way. I think that moving forward, I think we're going to be a little bit more cautious. I know I'm going to be a little bit more cautious. I think just um, routinely being aware of your surroundings. If I'm in a crowded space, I might, you know, pick up my mask and put it on, you know, just to be, re you know, reasonably responsible. So you're not going to let the pandemic run your life anymore, you know, but you're not gonna be necessarily do everything the same way you did before. Yeah, a little bit, you know, modifications to, to you know, depending on where I'm at. 
boy, it sure feels good to get out. Uh, no doubt about that. And just to be out and about and enjoy the game, be out in the fresh air. See lots of people around you, lots, of, lots of new faces. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we're human beings. We're, we're meant to, you know, mingle. We're meant to associate. And uh, I look forward to moving forward. And, and many more days like this at the ballpark absolutely. or other places. I got, I got at least five more tickets, five more games I'm coming to. The man is prepared. Right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank absolutely. you. Go Dodgers. Go Dodgers. Yeah, of course, go Dodgers. <laughs> Apologies to Giants fans, and you just heard from Ignacio Avila, Patti Ibarra, Lina Corvera, and Mike DeCesar, all attending Dodger Stadium's first full-capacity ball game last night. And if you're wondering about the score, the Dodgers defeated the Phillies 5-3. to Meanwhile, in the Bay Area, San Francisco Mayor London Breed also expressed optimism when it comes to the pandemic and reopening. Speaking at a news conference yesterday, Mayor Breed reflected on what the last 15 months have been like in San Francisco. None of us could have ever imagined that when we first made the decision to shelter in place in San Francisco that it would be an entire year and now 15 months of sacrifice. And when you think about what we accomplished, we should be so proud. Mayor Breed also used the occasion to announce that San Francisco's famed cable cars, which have been out of service since the start of the pandemic, will be back up and running in August. In March of 2020, there was still a relative handful of known COVID cases in the United States. Santa Clara County's public health director, Dr. Sarah Cody, issued the very first shelter-in-place order in the U.S. At the time, she was both praised and blasted for the decision. With California now reopening, we thought it would be a good time to check in with Dr. Cody about what she's experienced over the past 15 months and her hopes and concerns for the future when it comes to fighting the pandemic. So I, I want to talk about the future in a bit, but let's talk about the here and now first. As California reopens and given your history fighting this virus, how concerned are you about complacency? Well, one of the reasons why I think it's so important that we keep our energy focused on vaccination is just that. While we have vaccine and plentiful supply, and while we have everyone's attention, it's important to protect ourselves. But I, but I also want to just say that not everyone is protected now. We don't want to leave anyone behind. There are still pockets, communities where the vaccination rates are not where they should be. And there's people who can't get protection from the vaccine. Perhaps they're immunocompromised. We want everyone to be protected and no one left behind. And so we're, we need to stay at it for a bit longer. You know far more than I do that public health has been really hyper-politicized the last uh, year or so. What do you hope for looking ahead when it comes to how the general public works with agencies such as yours and thinks about public health and communicable illnesses? I have to say that public health is not a profession of people who are comfortable out front and in the limelight. We're sort of the behind the scenes people. So it's been an extraordinarily odd year for many of us. But in a way, I think that being more visible, I hope will be helpful for the public to understand that, that we care deeply about people's health. We care deeply about equity, that everyone has equal opportunity, and that's what drives our decisions uh, and our work. 
And finally, doctor, just looking ahead, do you think what we've been through with this pandemic, with COVID, has prepared us for other threats to public health in the future? Unfortunately, I think we are not. <laughs> and, and the reason for that is because the infrastructure that was required for a strong public health system is not in place. So the infrastructure that we had to put together county by county by county by county, I think of it as like, you know, trying to build with matchsticks and scotch tape and sheer grit. The amount of grit is something I can't even describe. In Santa Clara County, pretty much everyone in our 20,000 plus workforce either was working on COVID or was working on uh, just, you know, keeping the basic programs humming. I mean, everyone from the county executive on down was laser focused on COVID and protecting the community, um, which was extraordinary. So we were able to marshal an infrastructure that wasn't there, but that meant that we weren't doing other things. So I don't think that collectively in our country, uh, we are prepared for a pandemic because we have not put the systems in place. Our data systems um, are not interoperable and not terribly robust or timely. That's a very key part of infrastructure that needs to be addressed and it needs to be addressed quickly. All right. That is Dr. Sarah Cody of the Santa Clara County Department of Public Health. Doctor, thanks so much. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for talking with me. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts. A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers. Recognize the badge of my office. I'm Suki Lewis. From KQED Podcasts comes On Our Watch Season 2, New Folsom. A story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Turning to politics, candidates who are hoping to be on the recall ballot to replace Governor Gavin Newsom will have to make their recent tax returns public. KQED politics reporter Guy Maserati has more. Secretary of State Shirley Weber announced Tuesday that she's keeping in place a low threshold of 65 signatures to get on the recall ballot. In the 2003 recall, that resulted in a field of 135 candidates. This time around, candidates will also have to make five years of tax returns public, the result of a 2019 law. Weber explained her reasoning in an interview with KQED last month. We're going to follow the law and make sure that all of those things are part of it and not just say, well... That, this is a different kind of election, so people can just do anything that they want to do. But the tax return requirement could face a legal challenge because the law only refers to primary elections. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. Yesterday marked the ninth anniversary of DACA, the program that's protected more than 800,000 immigrants brought to the U.S. as children from deportation. California's junior senator co-led a hearing on a bill that would permanently legalize these dreamers as well as others. KQD's Farida Javala Romero reports. 
In March, the House passed a bill that would offer a pathway to citizenship to an estimated 740,000 immigrants or more in California, the most of any state. California Senator Alex Padilla chairs the Immigration Subcommittee. He says 40,000 healthcare workers nationwide who risked their lives during the pandemic could still be deported without DACA or other temporary protections. These immigrants have put their own health and their families' health on the line to keep America running. But many Republican senators relentlessly criticized the bill as a broad amnesty that would incentivize more illegal immigration at a time when unlawful border crossings are up. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, June 16th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening and have a good day. Support for the California Report comes from SF MoMA, presenting the exclusive U.S. exhibition of Nam June Peck, a visionary global artist who bridged art, music, performance, and technology. Learn more at sfmoma.org. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food, on the web at theschmidt.org. And Blue Shield of California, rebuilding the future of health care with every Californian in mind, from quality and equitable care to not-for-profit values. Learn more at news.blueshieldca.com. Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now.